When Melissa and I, 1994, Melissa and I were first married, and we lived in a little one-bedroom apartment, 500 square feet, in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And let me tell you, money was tight. She was a nanny. I, del- I waited tables, delivered pizza, and I would come home with tips. So I always had change, and I remember we had a jar, a change jar up on the refrigerator. And I'm telling you, there were multiple months that we both remember, don't we, that we would have to pour out that change onto the floor and count it to try, just to try to pay our rent. And Melissa, I mean, everything was super tight. Melissa began to have some back problems, and we decided after a while to go to a chiropractor just to see what was going on. And so that chiropractor did some x-rays on her, did some adjustments that day, and I remember her getting adjusted. I've never been adjusted, but she has many times. And I imagine your first time would be a little bit startling, all the cracking and popping. But let me tell you, the first adjustment that I saw, I was standing there watching, and the, the chiropractor had her head in his hands. And he's gently moving it back and forth, and you guys know what happens, and just whack! And I just thought, I need to find a new wife, because this, <laughs> you know, this, she just lost her head. It was going to come off in his hand. And uh, thank God that was not the case. It really helped her. But he sat us in his office, and I'll never forget, we were, ne- we were barely paying the rent. And he gave us the price tag for this program or this plan to help her. And, I rem- and Melissa just burst out into tears as she realized how unattainable that that was for us at that moment within our lives. Looking back, it was only $500. But at that point in our lives, it might, have, it might as well have been $5 million dollars. And we felt like in that moment that the world was happening to us, that we were subject to the world. If we felt incredibly helpless in that moment. And I know a lot of us, we, you've been in situations where circumstances can try to make you feel hopeless and helpless, that you've got no power, that the world is just pounding on you and there's nothing that you can do about it. Well, that's why we are in this series, Living Life Strong. And the purpose for this series is specifically to help you discover not only what your authority is in Christ as a Jesus follower in, the, in this world that you live in, but also how to walk in that authority. And so by authority, we discovered that Moses, Moses had to lead literally millions of people out of slavery and a slavery mindset where they had never known anything other than the world happening to them them being subject to the people around them the world around them and they discovered that when god gave moses the creation account god did it in such a way that would change their mindset it would it would turn it upside down because look they had never known anything other than being ruled by the world around them and so in in genesis god said let us make man in our image in our likeness and then God said, not only did I make you in my image, in my likeness, but I made you so that you may rule. And we discovered that God made humans in the beginning to rule, to have authority over the environment. Adam and Eve were created, the first man and woman, they were created to rule, to rule over what? Well, it was everything. It was the fish. It was the birds. It was all of the wild animals. That would include your children. They had (laughs) dominion, some translations say, over the world and the environment that was around them. And so last week, we discovered that God 
uh, or the first week, God, we discovered that God created us to rule over the environment that we lived in. And so, but the problem was that Adam and Eve turned that authority to rule, that dominion, over to Satan because they sinned. And God told Satan at that point, look, I'm going to make enemies between you and mankind, and there will be a day, a man, one day that, that comes to crush your head. And that was foreshadowing that 4,000 years after this, Jesus, although he was God, the Bible says he left his power and his deity in heaven. He left that there, and he was born as a baby, as a man. And so he had to operate as a human being, although he was God. And here was the trick. Not using his deity, but as a man, he walked sinless on the earth. And by doing that, he obtained the authority back to rule over the environment. And we see that in the Gospels. Then he died, rose again from the Gospels, or from the dead, and he, he offered to anybody that would accept him as, his Lord, as their Lord and Savior, washing away of that sin. And so if you call yourself a follower of Jesus, you walk sinless. Not because you don't sin, because he washes our sin away. And because we are sinless through him, power and authority that was given to man in the garden to rule over their environment and then was returned to us by Jesus' blood and in his name and by his word, then at that point, we can rule, have authority as well. And I believe that at this point in our study, I think it's imperative that we begin to understand our authority in the kingdom of God that Jesus exemplified and taught throughout the Gospels. The problem is for many of us, Many times, we don't actually understand what our authority is in Christ. And when we do understand our authority, what our authority is, we don't know how to exercise it. And so today, we're going to find a story in Matthew. And it's going to illustrate what we see a lot of times in people's lives today. All right? So Jesus has gone up to the mountaintop. He took three disciples with him. He left some of the other ones down below. And so Jesus and these three are coming down, and there's a crowd at the bottom. And a man approaches Jesus, kneels before him, and he says this. He says, have mercy on my son. Please note the word mercy. He has seizures. He is suffering greatly. And a lot of times he falls into the fire or the water. And you're, I ask your disciples, but they cannot heal him. But just a few chapters before this, Jesus had actually given the disciples actually authority to cast out demons. And so the question comes, why could they not do it? And so watch this. Jesus says this. He gets a little rough with them. You unbelieving and perverse generation. How long do I have to stay with you? How long do I have to put up with you? Ouch. So then he says, all right, bring the boy to me. Jesus rebuked the demon. It came out of the boil and he was healed at that moment. But let's go back to what the, the, the father's prayer was. Have mercy. How do most of our prayers sound? We do a lot of times exactly what this father did. We go to Jesus and say, have mercy. Can you please help me? And I'm going to say this. It's going to catch you off guard maybe, but I'm going to explain it later. This is a horrible place to be. Why does God do that for them but not me? Why did that person receive their healing but not me? A lot of times we feel like if we pray enough, if we could just pray enough or use the exact right words, if we could just ask God enough, if we can repeat it over and over enough, then God will suddenly have mercy and come through for us. And if God is a good God, shouldn't he always come through for us? But then when it doesn't happen, 
here's what happens. We question God. And that's a horrible place to be as a Christian. And Jesus doesn't want us there. So the, so the father, he says, all right, look, the demon is throwing him into the water and the fire. And, and he's having seizures. And he's trying to convince Jesus how bad it is. So Jesus may do something. And Jesus takes authority and the demon leaves. But Jesus also knows he's going to be leaving soon. And he wants to teach his disciples authority. What authority they have, and therefore we have, to operate. So he gives them two reasons why this demon didn't leave. One is unbelieving. No faith. We kind of understand that. The second one, though, he calls them perverse. But here's what he means, is they just accepted the fact that it wouldn't leave. And a lot of us, we base our theology based upon what does and doesn't happen as opposed to what the word of God says. Okay? The Bible says the promises are yes and amen. If the demons are supposed to come out, then they're supposed to come out. And if they don't come out, which is this situation, there's always a reason. And it's never that Jesus doesn't want to help. See, because Jesus didn't come just to help people. He came to teach us how to do it as well. A lot of times we have this mentality that because God is sovereign and God is good, and man is he both of those things. But we mistake his sovereignty and his goodness in that we think he comes just to do things for us. Instead of empowering us to live life strong, to live a life of authority by him, where we happen to the world and the world's not just bombarding us. See, he didn't come to just give us a fish. He came to teach us how to fish. And that's obvious from reading the Gospels that Jesus came to actually teach us, to teach us how. You see, Jesus didn't come just to help people, just to heal people. He also came to teach those, his disciples, who he delegated authority to, how to do it. In fact, there's a whole other story where he finds somebody that understands how this authority works. And so we get a glimpse in this account that Jesus had with this guy, an experience that he had with a man who actually sought him out. And Jesus would stand up and he would tell everybody after this experience, everybody that was around and everybody was following, including his disciples, he would point this guy out. And he would say, I've never seen such great faith in all of Israel. And the reason is, is because this one man, he understood kingdom authority, laws, that Jesus was doing his best to show his disciples. So let's go to Matthew chapter 8 and verse 5. Jesus had entered Capernaum. A centurion, who was a Roman soldier, came and asked him for help, asking Jesus for help. He says, my servant lies at home paralyzed, suffering ter- terribly. And Jesus said, hey, you want me to come heal him? And the centurion says, no, I don't deserve for you to have you come under my roof. Just say the word and my servant will be healed. What this Roman centurion understood was the authority that Jesus was operating and trying to teach. He proves he understands it because he described how it actually works. And what he is talking about is seriously a chain of command within the empire that he operated in, the centurion. And what Jesus is getting ready to to tell us is that same chain of command of authority. It actually applied to the spiritual realm, to the kingdom of God as well. So we're going to, in just a sec, I'm going to take a quick detour and then we're going to come back to this story, okay? I want to explain to you the authority and how this this works, okay? And then we're going to come back to the story. 
Isaiah 9. This is actually a Christmas scripture. You'll recognize it. But it says, for us a child is born, that's Jesus, a son is given, and the government. Now, obviously, this is not talking about an earthly government because that never happened. Okay, But that this government authority will be on Jesus' shoulder. He'll be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. All right? Of the greatness of his, talking about Jesus, government, talking about authority, and peace, there will be no end. He will reign authority on David's throne and over his kingdom authority, establishing and upholding it with justice, law, righteousness, law, and authority, and from that time on and forever. So this authority is going to uphold everything from what is that time and forever. So here's the picture, okay? We think in terms of just God. God's going to do this. God's going to do that. But God is operating within the earth realm through a kingdom government, which is a series of authoritative rules, okay? This, this is how the kingdom of God works, all right? The government implies law, justice. So the kingdom of God operates within this, king, within this earth realm according to rules and laws. In other words, there's things that cause things to happen. There's things that hinder things from happening. The law of gravity hinders you from floating off the chairs here and at home right now. If you wanted to float, you can't because there is a law that's hindering you. All right. In the same way, these lights are on because of the law of electricity. And we've actually learned to harness those laws and use those to, for our benefit. We've taken them, we've experimented, and now we actually tap into those laws. All right. So in the same way, what people miss with the kingdom of God is that they all think that God, watch this, God can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. But God says in Psalm 138, watch this, he says, you have magnified your word above your name, okay? The word name in Hebrew, it means being. So when God says, I have placed my word above my being, he's saying, I, the word that I've spoken, the word that I've mandated, the kingdom, the authority, I mandate that above my being, okay? The authority, I gave my authority to man. I, that's my word. He gave it to Satan. I came back, I got it back, and I gave it back to you. But my authority, my promise is that I give you authority over the environment around you. And God would say, I am not a man that I should lie. So if God gives something to you and makes a promise that it's yours, regardless of what his will is, he cannot override his word, his promise. So what this is saying is I put my word, my promise to you above my being, my will. The government that I put in place in the kingdom of God, I can't violate my own will with my word. It says he holds himself captive to his own words. God is not a man that he could lie. He holds himself to his word. This explains a lot of why bad things happen. All right? Let's go somewhere else. Jesus went back to his hometown, okay? And it says Jesus could not do any miracles there except for laying on his hands a few sick people and heal them. Because he was amazed at their lack of faith and, and belief, the question we have to ask, if Jesus had all the power he had no sin in his life, so he had all the authority, and he wanted to heal these people. See, everywhere he went, when somebody asked Jesus for healing, it was never, the answer was never no. He healed people all the time. 
He, he always wanted to, but he could not because he was amazed at their lack of faith. This lack of faith evidently limited his power and his will. So how does that happen? How does Jesus' will become thwarted by man's unbelief? This messes with a lot of our theology. The very power of Jesus himself and what he wanted to do, he could not do. I know, I'm messing with a lot of theology. I know that. I'm just talking about the Bible scriptures and the whole counsel of God, okay? So faith and the execution of faith is actually a part of the laws of the kingdom of God, or in other words, our authority. And it becomes obvious, obvious that the lack of faith, which is unbelief, can actually limit what God wants to do in our lives. It's true. God can actually be limited in our life because he has limited himself to his word, the laws, the government that he put into place and tried to teach us how to use, and he'll never violate his own word. That's called lying, and he'll never do it. But believing is not enough in and of itself. Let's go to another scripture. Many of you have heard this, Romans 10.10, 10, and it talks about salvation. This is talking about salvation, okay? For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. Justified is a legal term, okay? It means when our heart agrees with the promises of God in heaven, it actually becomes, it is legal for heaven to then affect this realm. Heaven is backing you up on your faith. So if you have faith, but nothing's happened yet, it's because in your heart you're believing and you're justified, but that's not enough. Watch this. The next part says, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. So there is this two-punch combo where we are believed and we're convinced in our heart, and then we speak with our mouth. That is the foundation of salvation that you have, okay? And when these two things happen, something, salvation, something miraculous happens, our salvation. So we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth what we agree with, heaven releases that. Something supernatural happens. This is the law that explains the authority that you have in Christ from the very beginning, right? And this is how you exercise the authority that God has given you, starting with salvation, all right? That, cell, that centurion, understand this. If you believe in your heart and you exercise your authority with your words, this is at the very core of Christianity, of our very salvation, that we exercise our authority through believing and then speaking. And this is what I want you to get today, okay? That the weapons you get are the name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, and the word of God. We talked about that last week. But the way that you use your authority in Christ is with your faith accompanied by your words, Okay? The way you exercise, the way you wield those weapons is with your words. Okay? That's how it starts with salvation, and that's the way it is with the rest of the kingdom of God. It applies with, uh, with provision, with healing, with, with protection, everything, including salvation itself. That we have faith first, and then we speak as a result of what we believe, and at that point, heaven backs us up. All right? Now, Back to the story of the centurion, okay? And then we're gonna tie all this back together. And remember, the centurion, he comes to Jesus and he asks for his servant to be healed. And, and he says, look, you don't have to come to my house. Just say the word from here and my servant will be healed. And then he begins to explain what Jesus has been trying to explain to his disciples all along. Watch this. He says, for I myself am a man under authority. 
okay? With soldiers under me. I tell this one go, and I tell this one to come, and he comes. And I say to my servant, do you see how many times he's talking about, he has authority, but he's got faith that it's going to work, but I have to say it. And, it, and he, do, he goes and does it. And Jesus, he says about this guy, this Gentile, he's not even Jewish, he says, I have not seen this much faith in all of Israel. What he's referring to is most of us want Jesus to have mercy to come to us and do it for us. That was their level of understanding. And most Christians today beg God, have mercy on me. Do something about my situation, Jesus. Jesus, will you come and will you fix this? Will you help me? This centurion understood kingdom authority. And so Jesus says, I have not seen this level of understanding. I haven't seen this much faith in all of Israel. Finally, somebody gets it and he's not even a Jew. And so he says, go, let it be done to you just as you believed it would. And his servant was healed that moment. You see, this man understood authority. He was under authority. He knew how to direct authority that was given to him as well. And I want you to notice that it wasn't the centurion's authority. When you're under authority, your authority in a situation is not from you. It's delegated authority that you stand in and that flows through you. That's important for you to know. It's not you. It's him. All right? I want to look at a few verses just to back this up. Jesus says, I will give you the keys to the kingdom. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Whatever you loose or bind through faith and therefore pray the scriptures or speak the scriptures, heaven backs that up. Mark eleven twenty three. this is why Jesus says this. He's trying his best to explain it to us. Anybody that says to this mountain, not begging God or asking God, but speaking to the actual mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes what he says that the, that what he says will happen, it will be done for them. You have, if you're a Christ follower, you have the delegated authority. And when you put this two-punch strategy of faith with confession and speaking and praying the scriptures, Jesus says we can have what we say. Most Christians pray for more power. God, I want more power. God, send your power. Reach out your hand and give us more anointing. Actually, you don't need more anointing. Because the Bible says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed and backed up by all of heaven. We already have all the power of heaven backing us up. If you're a Christ follower. The problem is, most of us, we don't actually know how to release that authority and walk in it like the centurion understood. That we are walking in authority and under authority. And we got to know without a doubt that we release God's authority. So many people are waiting for God to do it. God, please heal me. God, you do it. You and I. He, he wanted us to walk in this authority. It's obvious as you read the Gospels that we are his delegated authority. And we don't have that authority because we earned it or we're anything special in and of ourselves. Only because we are co-heirs with Christ. He called us kings and queens under the king of kings, Jesus Faith can put you in legal position spiritually to exercise your authority. 
faith and belief is your first step to exercise your authority. But then we have to step out, like Jesus said, and take authority by praying the scriptures with our words. So, but if we step out on something and we pray for something we don't have the faith for, then we don't have the authority to speak that yet. It's not going to work. We have to get both of those. That faith has to be there. And your faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. All right? And then it's important that we have both rules in, in effect. Faith makes us legal to have authority, and our words are actually what exercise that actual authority. So how, how different is that for us? That you can have what you say if you believe what you say will come to pass. I'm quoting scripture. How different is that than what we've been hearing, though? This is why sometimes it's so difficult for understand is because a lot of times we've been taught very different than this. But the truth is, is that God has given us power and authority. And because he gave us that power and authority, humans, faith, we can actually initiate the will of God into the world around us. He wants to work through us, not just in us. How much are we like the father, though, that brought his son to, to Jesus and say, just have mercy Asking God to do things for us when all along this kingdom authority came with our salvation. It had been given to us and put in us with this two-punch system that Jesus is doing his best to teach us. And that we declare it what we believe in faith to be. But how different is that? But listen, I know it works. Because I, the word of God is very explicit. The word of God is very clear. When you look at the full counsel of the whole Bible, this is how our authority works. The other way that I know personally that this works is that Melissa and I have actually experienced this. Because, you see, years ago, 1994, I'm 19, she's 20. And when, the, when that chiropractor handed us this bill, it was out of reach. We had no idea how we were going to pay. This is the actual bill. We came back, we sat down, and we just said, God, we know that we have power and authority in this world that you gave us. We didn't ask for it. You gave it to us as part of our salvation. And so your word says, Philippians 4.19, that my God will supply all of my needs according to his riches. We believe it. We say it. We took that verse, we began to pray that scripture, speak that, that verse, and we paid everything that we could toward that bill. But then, months later, we got this letter in the mail. I still have it today, forgiving that debt in full from that chiropractor. I'm telling you. That, and look, this is anecdotal. That's just our experience. You don't base things on your experience. But not only from our experience, but also from the authority and the power that the word of God gives us, this works. But let me ask this question. What if, can you see yourself? What if you as an individual, as a Christ follower, got a hold of your authority and what you could accomplish? And listen, there's been a lot of abuse of these rules and these laws, this governance of the kingdom of God. There have been people that have used this to heap tons of riches and wealth upon themselves. And look, it's not that God doesn't want to have what we need, but there have been people that have abused it. There are people that have manipulated other people because of their understanding of faith and, and healing and provision within this kingdom. And there are some of these people that's possible they don't even know Jesus. The Bible says when we get to heaven... 
There are some people that are going to get to the gate and they're going to say, hey, I did miracles in your name and I understood the laws of authority within your kingdom and how to operate in it. I prophesied and I performed healings. I lived life strong. And Jesus is actually going to tell them, I don't know you. So there have been abuses of the laws of the kingdom. And they've even given that, uh, that a name. They called it the prosperity gospel. Can I tell you something? There is no prosperity gospel. There is just the gospel, which is the good news of God and what he has done for us and in us. And regardless of any abuses that we see, my faith is in Jesus and what he said, what he taught, and what he did. And the authority that we have as God's children, as kings and queens of the kingdom that are underneath his authority, that we have been given that authority to exercise our faith, our solid belief that the promises of God are real, and then we declare those promises. And we see our world not happening to us, but us happening to the world around us, us having authority over the circumstances in our lives. And here's the thing. This authority is the means to a very, very clear end. And that is so that we can share God's love and mentor other people in the faith. That's what it's all about. So what would it look like if, if our congregation, if we could not be distracted by all the crazy things flying at us right now and realize the authority that God has given us? Look, you're not a victim. We're not helpless because Jesus died and rose again and he left us, do you see it? With the authority that he bought back with his blood. We don't wanna squander that. He paid an incredible price for it. And we, we fight not against flesh and blood and politics and people, you know, we fight in the spiritual realm. So think about the different things in your life. What would it take to build your faith? to have God in heaven back you up and then you pray the scriptures, you speak to those things based upon the faith that's in your heart. And therefore you happen to the world around you instead of the world happening to you. Because of your faith and because of what you speak and because of the authority that God gave you on his, with his death on the cross that you speak in accordance with your firm belief and your faith, what could we accomplish for the kingdom of God together? So my challenge for you this week is whatever you're going through, you know, it could be in your marriage, it could be financial, it could be relational, it could be at work, at school. You could be praying for people to give their lives to Christ, loved ones. It could be circumstances that are coming against you. You know what it is. But for you to find God's word that pertains to that situation and that you could pray the scriptures, knowing that God's word is his will and that when you believe that with all of your heart and you pray those scriptures, you speak the word into existence, you line your will along with God's will and miraculous things happen when, that, when you do that. So think about what is it? that you need to go find scriptures on. And that can be simple internet search. Scriptures, you know, on protection. Scriptures on healing. Scriptures on love and marriage and relationships. Just do an internet search. 
scriptures on children and raising godly children, how to pray for my children, scriptures about, about provision and abundance, having more than enough. So you've got plenty to give away to a bunch of people. What is it do you need to do? What is it you need to work on this week to find those scriptures? Write them down, put them on your phone, put them as, as pop-ups, alarms that come on your phone, mirror on your morning, uh, on your, uh, in the morning. What is it in your life that you need to take authority over so you can happen to your world instead of your world happening to you? Will you stand with me?